Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yeah. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, podcast fans. Today, it's me, James, uh, and I'm joined by Kaveh Hoda, who's a doctor in the Bay Area and also host of the House of Pod podcast, which is an excellent podcast. For you to add to once you're done listening to this podcast, you can add that to your podcast rotation. Uh, but we're talking today about uh, medication abortions and specifically about attempts to ban medication abortions by anti-abortion activists, which have included a recent case at the Supreme Court. So, Kavi, would you maybe like to add anything I'd missed from your introduction? No, yeah, that was pretty much all the good stuff. Uh, thank you for having me. This is super fun. I, I, I love all your podcasts. I like your work. So thank you for having me. And yeah, the, the topic is it uh, it's super duper, duper important. And, um, and it is in the headlines a lot, but at the same time, not enough. You know what I mean? It's like it, it, people are talking about it a ton, but I, I don't know if they're talking about it enough or if the gravity of the situation is really hitting people, uh, or if it is, we're just overwhelmed by how much bullshit we've had to deal with in regards to this. And people are kind of feeling a little bit beaten about it and feeling a little bit disheartened. But I I am super glad that we're going to discuss it today. Yeah, I think maybe it it is bizarre how I don't, you know, I think we're dealing with so much bullshit and every day something terrible happens. Uh, and like, so I can understand how this kind of came and went in the news cycle. At the same time, it does seem like why the fuck were there not 10 million people out in the streets trying to burn things down? When, like, I don't, like, if you're listening to this and you don't think you know anyone who's used this, it, it, it's most likely because someone in your life hasn't shared that with you. Like, I can think of... More yeah. people than I can count on my fingers who I care about very dearly who have, have used this. Absolutely. Someone posted this once and I thought it was really actually pretty brilliant. It was like, if you don't know anyone that has, that means they don't trust you enough to tell yeah. you or they think you're a douche. Uh, so <laughs> like there's there's a there's a reason, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very common. 
Right. And so I think maybe to to start out with, we should explain like what, what is a medication abortion and, and how does it work and why is it so common? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. I think maybe we could touch a little bit on the history of it too, because I think it is kind of interesting to look at it from a, a, a bigger perspective. Medication abortions, they account for more than half of all abortions nationwide. It's usually done. There are a couple of different ways of doing it, but the most common one by far is a two-drug combination, uh, mifepristone and uh, misoprostol. And these are the ones that are used uh, generally in the United States and in other countries as well. You can use misoprostol alone, but it's just not as effective as these two drugs together. Um, Mifeprostone blocks progesterone, and, and what that is, it's a hormone that you need to make the pregnancy happen. It makes the, the uterus a hospitable place for it to occur. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit, I think, about the the, miso, uh, the mifeprostone, I'm uh, sorry, the misoprostol uh, as well, because that's a, a prostaglandin, and they do a bunch of things in the, the body. But one of them is to cause contractions of the uterus, and that that's two these two drugs together one makes the pregnancy uh, less able to progress, and then the other one expels it. So right. that's how these two medications work. Um, what I think is really interesting about them is the, a little bit of the backstory uh, to it. So my understanding that there might be some medical anthropologists or historians who, who know more about it than me, I'm sure that's the case, but uh, it's you have to put this all in perspective because when I grew up, abortions were all invasive surgical essentially and it was a it, it, you had to have it done in a very specific manner now we have the opportunity and the option to do it in a, in a much i think safer controlled less traumatic way and it, you know the it, it kind of started in brazil because in brazil you know i know because it doesn't make sense right but yeah. Abortion is illegal there, as you might imagine. Yeah. And women there, like women in any place, are going to look for ways to have abortions if they want or need one. And one of the things they would do is they'd basically go to like a drugstore or a pharmacy and they would look for uh, medications that said, beware, this could cause oh, abortions. Shit. That's that's one of the ways this all started. One of those was misoprostol, that, that medication I mentioned that's a prostaglandin. Again, Prostaglandins do a lot of things. I'm a GI doctor by trade. And, you know, it, from my perspective, they're also used for treatment of ulcers. Not really something we, we go to that much for anymore, but there are other uses for it. And so they found that it could cause these contractions of the uterus and they would use it there for that purpose. Um, the French were actually the ones that worked on mifeprostone or RU486. And that's the one that blocks the progesterone and, and stops the pregnancy from progressing. So the, the the background I think is really interesting and in how far it's come during this time you know uh how how it started when our with our use here to how it changed during covid I think is is a really fascinating thing and and where we're at now with these medications I I I can't I, we're, we're gonna talk about it. I'm sorry I don't want to no. jump ahead but I'm just so I, I'm so upset and I know I should be at this point in my life, much more used to like these weirdly cynical uh, BS moves of a Republican judge or whatever, um, promoting this as being a safety issue. Uh, I know I shouldn't be surprised and upset by it, but I am. And that's the part that really uh, bothers me right now is the argument they're using against it is so 
bullshit and cynical that um, I, I and, and again, I, I don't think enough people are talking about it. No, it it is like I, I'm the same way. Like I should be a lot of my work has been border reporting and like I should by now be like uh no, I shouldn't, because those people are fucking terrible. Like, I, <laughs> there's a group of journalists who just seem to have lost their capacity to care for other human beings and and can report on human suffering without taking any toll on their uh, on on their personal mental health. And they congregate on various Facebook groups and, and in bars and expensive hotels all around the world. And I don't like that. Um, mm. But like, similarly, a number of conserv conservatives are wrong word like anti-immigration states used Title 42. They sued to keep Title 42, right? Citing the, the risk of COVID-19 from migrants crossing our borders. And these are the same fucking people who have been like, we don't want to wear masks. We shouldn't have vaccine mandates. Like, it is infuriating that they can't just be like, yeah, I don't think you should have the right to bodily autonomy and I don't care how I get there. So I'm just going to use this troll ass methodology. It bothers me that there were doctors involved in in this case, the court case, and it, and it does bother me that there are doctors that are are fighting this. I mean, I get it. If not every doctor wants to do an abortion, I totally understand that. Um, but to not stand for a, a woman's autonomy over her own body is the part that I can't get. I mean, it's like it's I'm not an ethicist by any means, but that's like the bare minimum is like you're supposed to believe in someone's autonomy over themselves. And the fact that it's being removed piece by piece, it should be bothering doctors who are who are supposed to be following ethics. You know what I mean? I it it so I'm also a little bit from that end, I'm mad at our own I'm mad at our own people. I'm mad at doctors. And and I and I am on my little echo chamber in Twitter where there's lots of doctors who feel the same way I do and I hear from them. Um, but I know that's it's kind of there alone. I'm not hearing it from uh, other doctors out in the real world, you know, and not enough, at least. Yeah, because we should explain a little bit that like the original case, the complainants were doctors, right, who were claiming that they were having to treat complications that arose from medication abortion. Is that right? Yeah, they were part of it. I don't know how big a part of it or if they were just used because they're like a lot of times people for good or bad reasons will bring a doctor out in a white coat at like a press conference, which is like, you know, <laughs> like we're just wearing white coats all the time, you know, and uh, just the sound in the background and sort of add some sort of weight to the, to the argument. And, and so I don't know how much of it was that in this situation, but I mean, the argument that, that they're making that these medications are not safe. Um, it's just, it's a silly argument. I mean, it, we know that the mortality rate for medical abortion is less dramatically than the mortality rate for childbirth. And that changes too, depending on if you're like a white woman in a wealthy neighborhood yes. or a black woman, there's there's different uh, mortality rates, but pretty much across the board, it's going to be safer. I mean, it, the, the chance of a serious complication is there. It can happen. Any medication, it can happen. Penicillin, it can happen. Higher rates, by the way. Viagra, when Viagra came out, there was the first year it came out, there was about 550 deaths from Viagra. Wow. I mean, granted, the like, cardiovascular problems okay. the patients had, whatever, yeah. but still, there was a it's not yeah. it's not without risk. You don't see any judge from Texas, you know, yeah. coming out to talk about Viagra being an issue. <laughs> no, I think you're right to highlight that like being pregnant is also a risk. 
and I think about a much greater risk in many cases, especially like you said, because of these different intersectional things, which can make it a greater risk for some people. So, can I would love to talk about why these became more uh, popular is the wrong word, but maybe more widely used to facilitate uh, abortions during COVID, because that's super well, interesting. Yeah. So the the long and the short of it is um, when they first started doing these tests, I'm sorry, when they first started doing these uh, medication abortions, there was a, a bit of a process that had to go into it. Like doctors were worried. I mean, we're always conservative. Doctors are always conservative. We always start with like uh, probably more than is absolutely necessary. And then over time, we do enough research. We get enough like evidence behind us that we can peel back parts of it. So when it first started, you know, people wanted ultrasounds, lab tests, make sure that they weren't people weren't anemic or didn't have a risk of bleeding. Uh, they wanted to make sure the liver was were okay. Labs are probably weren't totally necessary. The the ultrasound, I think, scared people a lot, or or people really wanted there always to be an ultrasound just to make sure there wasn't like an ectopic pregnancy mm-hmm. or a pregnancy where it doesn't occur where it's supposed to outside of where we expect it to. And those can be dangerous. And if you do uh, take these medications. You know, obviously, you're, you're going to be a bit of more of a risk if you don't uh, if if you don't know that's an ectopic pregnancy. So there was a lot of a lot of things that people had to do back then. Then yeah. things started to peel away slowly. Like doctors might were starting to be like, "All right, do I really need to get a liver test if I'm going to give this patient a, a medication abortion?" Uh, and those tests started to peel off slowly. And then when COVID happened, um, basically. People weren't able to go to the doctor as much or as easily. There weren't doctor offices that were open. Um, it was harder for people to get to in the, in the beginning, you know, and it only got harder with COVID. So the ACLU actually sued the FDA and they actually won. And through that, the women didn't have to come in anymore for these. They could all be done via like teleconference or a video chat, basically. Okay. So which is a big game changer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that facility, that makes it much easier. And so it used to be the case, at least, that you could get these things in the mail, right? Uh, presumably after some kind of teleconference or video chat. Yeah. Is that still is that still the case in states where there isn't like the strictest kind of abortion ban, or is it universal? No, it's my understanding. It's still as of now possible. It's still available. You're supposed to be able to do it. I think we're going to find that it's becoming more difficult. We're already seeing cases. Um, I mean, they've been highlighted on social media. How often they're happening now, I don't know. But there, we see cases now of you know a pharmacist not uh, fulfilling uh, medical abortion pills, and in the comment section, when you look at why why not, they're saying because it's now banned by a federal judge. So, I mean. It's not true. It was the the Supreme Court has you know uh, has okayed it for now. I mean, for now it's still okay and 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 allowed, but there's going to be enough confusion about it. There's going to be enough worry about it that people are going to have a harder time doing it, getting it, or even finding you know people that are willing to do it at this point. There's probably a, a lot of concern from patients and medical providers. So, you know, even though it is technically still allowed. I mean, I don't know how for how long, you know, yeah. I am worried. And also, I, I don't know if this has really hindered, you know, people being able to to access this. I think it probably is. Yeah, I, it certainly hasn't made it smoother, as you said, right? Like it it only takes, you know, one person to have a delay of a number of weeks or whatever, and, and it might not be an option or it might not be as safe. Um, 
How uh, do you know how long, how far along these these medical medication abortions are like generally advised? You know, the medication abortions are considered safe in the second and I think even parts of the third trimester. Okay. But uh, generally, uh, after the first trimester is when it's it's considered a, a little bit more dangerous, and most medical professionals would want you to come in to have it done. Um, so, I mean, that's my understanding. I'm not an OB guy, and I should make that clear. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for for the most part, within the first trimester, people generally consider that something that's manageable at home. Outside of that, uh, I think you're probably more likely to to have the medical professional want you to come in and see them. Yeah, that makes sense. And in some states, that's going to be a lot harder, if right. not impossible. Or countries, or like I know, for instance, um, I've come across groups in Myanmar were distributing these uh, drugs. Like it, abortion has been illegal there more or less for since British colonial rule. Like so, it's like since it was united as as a col as a, as a sort of state, not really a nation. Um, the it's been a it's been illegal. They've sort of made some moves towards it being less illegal and then obviously with with the coup it's it's become more illegal again um and people there have been there was a website up in in 2021 about how they facilitated mutual aid distribution of it which i found super interesting and then at some point they obviously that that must have got them some heat and they they took it down but hmm. it it's used all over the world in places where people don't have access to care right alongside being used here where people may or may not have access to care which is pretty fucked up yeah I mean, it's funny that like, you know, uh, we're, we're comparing ourselves. I mean, it, it's, you would think in 2023, we wouldn't be, you know, looking to other countries to guide us at this point. Mm -hmm. You would hopefully we would have figured this out by ourselves after, after everything. But um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. You look at the historical, you, you look at it from a, a global perspective. It is interesting. It's a really a global effort to try and get these medications out to people. Um, one of the major major companies that 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 sends these pills and mails these pills is in Europe, and they try to get them to other countries. It is sort of a global effort at this point to try, which is kind of cool. That's one good thing about this. It shows you that the, most of the world seems to be on board with this, whether or not governments are or not. You know, I hear 80% here in the United States is... Is for it. I mean, I, I think that sounds about right, you know. Uh, and the fact that there's so many people in the country and in the world trying to figure out ways to get these medications to people, that's one, I guess, sort of reaffirming thing about this. It's impressive to see people just doing grassroots mutual aid. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One thing that that was very popular around the time of the Dobbs decision, a lot of people were showing these videos on uh, do-it-yourself abortion pills or like homemade. I think it was misoprostol. It may have been both. Uh, It may have been mifepristone as well. Obviously, like this is empowering, and and like we we want people to be empowered to make decisions about their own body. But perhaps you could explain why, like it, it's also suboptimal. Yeah, you know, it's it is definitely suboptimal. I I mean, I'm not I'm not every time I say something like that, there's always some corner of the internet that's like, well, you're a shill for big pharma or you're like <laughs> part of the the medical industry or whatever. And yeah, sure, whatever. But I mean, it's it is uh it's a risk. I mean, these medications like I said, they're safe, but they're not without risk. You know, there are things that that can occur when you have this. There are contraindications to some of these medications. Like there's contraindications to mifeprostone, like uh, ectopic pregnancy, like I mentioned, and you can get that worked up to be evaluated, or you can at least have the very basic questionnaire filled out that would help at least give you the hint if it's there. Chronic adrenal failure, uh, porphyria, inherited porphyria. These are things that are that doctors who do this think about and know and as part of the process uh, to get these medications, even if it's just a questionnaire that you fill out online. So there, there are risks. There are bad things that can happen with these medications, as there are with penicillin, like I mentioned. I've seen yeah. people with, you know, life-threatening allergies to to penicillin. I've seen people with um, who have liver failure from basic stuff that, you know, people take all the time, like Tylenol. So, uh, you know, it's it's it does make me very nervous. And um I I like do-it-yourselfers. I like that that people are trying to find ways around it. But um, and I hope we never get to a place where this is that's absolutely necessary. I hope um, yeah. you know. But I, I I understand why people are are curious about it and why are looking into it and and reading about it. I uh, obviously I'm not going to ever really uh, promote do-it-yourself medicine to that far of a degree. 
Yeah, like uh, someone, I, I use insulin every day, right? And, and people have been making their own insulin I've seen on the internet for, for a long time, and I find it super fascinating. Insulin also costs fuck all to produce, like like a couple of cents, and, and it costs hundreds of dollars to buy. Uh, I, folks uh, can accuse me of being a shill for Big Pharma, but I have plenty of publications pointing in the other direction. And, you and me both, brother. Yeah, yeah, look at us. <laughs> Presented <laughs> look at by us. Pfizer. <laughs> Two guys just raking in the pharma dough. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's that's why I'm recording in this shed, um, <laughs> <laughs> provided by Pfizer. No, um, it yeah, like it. There is these things are not expensive to make. They uh, shouldn't be expensive to buy, and they can be had extremely safely. And the things that are stopping you from accessing them cheaply and safely and easily are politicians and also pharmaceutical companies sometimes. You know, that's the funny thing, too, is that um, you think for like these right wingers are always talking about like relaxing regulations and, and whatever. It's like I wonder if they recognize that on some level what this is doing is it's just going to impinge on, you know, quote unquote, innovation in pharma. Like if you're a farm company and you're thinking about some medication that could be used for this, or you're, you're thinking about creating a new medication for something that could in the slightest way be deemed inappropriate by some judge somewhere. And then if they're making the decision, not the FDA, like if you're a farm industry, you may be like, ah, screw it. I'm not going to worry about that medication at all. You know, if nothing else, this is going to cut back on innovation in pharmacy. Yeah. Like anything with a contraindication for being pregnant would be yeah. vulnerable to this, right? We should probably explain that. The, the use of mifepristone as an abortion drug was approved by the FDA in an expedited process, right? And that was yeah. what was being challenged. Um, yeah. Can you explain why, although it's faster, that doesn't mean it's any less thorough? Of, in my understanding, I might be wrong. Uh, the FDA went like, yeah, fuck it, let's give it a try, see what happens. No, I mean, it's a very good question. I mean, we we do have safety data behind it. So it, it, again, you're you're exactly right. This is not done in a vacuum. It's not done haphazardly. I mean, there is... They, there still always is a pretty strict process to go through for these medications. It, it kind of it's the same thing that we had to deal with with uh, Operation Warp Speed, uh, one of the worst names for <laughs> a very important yeah. um, uh, medical advancement. So you know, people are like how can how can these things be safe? It's, it's happened so quickly, and and it's not really true. I mean, there is years of research behind all these things. There's there's years of research behind it. There was a study from the New England Journal of Medicine about the safety of these abortion pills. It had been studied worldwide. It, it had been looked at for a while, you know, because abortion is so common, and there are so many of so many done that it makes it easier to see the results. It makes it easier to see the numbers. Part of the reason we were able to follow COVID so well and get information so quickly was because it was everywhere. And when it's everywhere, it does raise the numbers. It makes it easier to get people enrolled in the study. It makes it easier to make a study happen. So that's kind of what was happening here. These, this is uh, this was something that was there wasn't a lot of question about. Again, are there risks to the medication? Absolutely. There's risks to every single medication that you get. I mean, I've heard toxicologists say that if Tylenol had to go through the same vetting process that we have medications go through today, that Tylenol wouldn't make the cut. Oh, wow. And, and as a liver specialist myself, 
I can attest to that. I mean, Tylenol is a great medication if it's used correctly, but I've also seen it cause a lot of liver failure. It's a very common cause of it. So uh, there's there's a pretty strict, and there always is a pretty strict uh, method to to the FDA when it comes to this sort of thing. It's not done haphazardly. Right, and I think most of the people attacking it are not attacking it from a place of, of deep concern for the health of people who can get pregnant. It's quite the opposite. It's an attempt to control people's bodies, right? And right. Yeah, they're not. These are the same people that are not concerned about the fact that the mortality rate in like African American <laughs> women who are pregnant is so much higher. They don't. They'll never hear them talk about that. They don't give a damn, unless of course they want to somehow cynically tie this into like racism or something. They'll find a way to twist it in this weird way to be like, yes, you see, nifprostone is racist or something, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, I, yeah, it, it's a, it's cynical and, and asinine and pathetic, but sadly, like, it's also the reality. Yeah. I wonder, like, obviously none of us can see the future, um, and we've talked about how, like, misoprostol can be used on its own, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. It's Is not that, as good. It's not as right. good if it's used together, but yeah. Do you foresee a world where, like, that is targeted next? Yeah, I mean, if they're really serious about that, they're going to try. I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, uh, we can keep zealots out of the Supreme Court somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you we know? get a while before we get another crack at that. Yeah. Um, then I think we should be okay because, I mean, it, it's it's a bad argument. The argument doesn't really hold up. I mean, some judge interpreting the medical data with or without the help of some you know, quasi-scientific group of like uh, pro-life doctors, it's just not going to hold up to what the FDA has done and has to go through. So um, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I want to say, I really want to say, I don't think it's going to be an issue, but I can't guarantee it because the fact that, you know, this is such a relatively safe drug and it's been called into question. I mean, it's pretty brazen, I think, um, that they're doing this and Will they do it again with other medications? Yeah, probably. Will it win though? I, I hope not. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is setting, um, they're setting basically a roadmap for this to be done again and again for for medications they don't like. Yeah, and, and those are all going, but the medications they don't like are all going to affect a certain group of people, right? Like that's right. That's just, that seems to be the sort of target group. Um, for, like you said, a very small percentage of the of the population who are just on their culture war bullshit and don't really care how this affects thousands of people's lives. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! 
Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it, that's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV, on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, like folks are also facing like they can't access gender-affirming care in lots of places, right? This is the other massive area of healthcare that... Uh, that the Republicans seem to be very willing to ignore the and some Democrats mm. ignore the evidence on it and just attack people for culture war reasons. And I know that one thing folks do there is organize mutual aid networks to help people access medications that they need for their gender affirming care. With medications like this, um, is it like like you said there there are lots of contraindications and and it, and it's not always safe. Like are these things that people like. People will be inclined and get to be like, oh shit, maybe I should stock up. Maybe I should like yeah. load my medicine cabinet. And maybe we could discuss that, like you said, that there are risks that come alongside that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I certainly would understand if I was in a position where I, I thought I my bodily autonomy could yeah. be going away anytime soon. Um, I think I, I could see why someone would stock up on it. I mean... I don't know enough about the medication to tell you about its shelf life. Um, I know that it is does require some special handling. So I don't know if it's the kind of thing you can keep uh, for yeah. long periods of time. But, you know, if that part of it was worked out, I certainly don't see. I mean, I could see why you'd want it. Again, it comes down to the do it yourself nature of it. Now, the, the beauty of this is these what these what we've seen with these medications is when we did the COVID, we took it when COVID happened and we kind of took it out of the doctor's hands and made it more directly to the patient. Actually the outcomes weren't much different. So it, that seems to be a very reaffirming thing. Um, but you know, I, I still would like for there to be medical involvement in this. I would like doctors to be involved in this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Perhaps we are progressing towards a place where like, technology can help with some of that and, and take away the liability from doctors in places where 
they could face a long time in jail. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the other thing. It's going to be interesting to see how this pans out, like for from doctors um, in the future, uh, if if there's going to be people still willing to learn these skills, you know, because not every abortion can be done, you know, medically still going to be a need for for yeah. um, the 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 more older fashioned forms of abortion that's still going to need to be done. So. You know, um, I'm hoping that people are still going to be willing to learn from this. And if anything, I'm actually hoping that people, young medical students are more interested to learn uh, from it. So we'll see how it goes. Like, you know, when when COVID first started, there was a huge burst of people interested in medical school and going into infectious disease. But then, you know, over time and, and in the ER, for that matter, too, they they saw the need for it. They they saw the call to arms, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it took three years of seeing what kind of bullshit ID doctors and ER doctors had to deal with before those medical school numbers dropped way off and people <laughs> interested in those fields, you know? In fact, yeah. ER, for for people trying to go into ER, they have to go through this whole match process, which is like a big yeah. deal. Like it's a stressful thing where you try to get into the best place you can. And ER has always been a pretty like sought after field it's not the most competitive but you know it there is there is a good amount of competition to get into the good places and this was like the first year i remember where there was a ton of unfilled spots at good institutions too so like you know how i i do worry will this be the same sort of thing will there be an uptick of people interested in women's health care and and providing that that vital that vital need um i think there probably will be but will it be sustained uh, I don't know. Will they just give up after seeing how much bullshit is thrown their way? It's totally feasible. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking, it, it has to be like an ideology. My my sister is an OBGYN, and mm. like, does my sister doesn't live in the United States, so doesn't have to deal with any of this bullshit. Uh, mm. And so, like, but very much enjoys her job and is very passionate about it. But I can see how doing it here, it would have to be almost a political ideological commitment as well. Like, you can't right. practice your 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 career in half the state you i don't even know if you can go to medical school in like states where where it's banned and and like that's a really interesting question i wonder if it'll affect the medical training in medical school yeah in in places where that's really interesting and scary now that i think about it um it it yeah it's going to be it's going to be available for people there's always going to be organizations fighting to to do this and to, to get out there but um how how hard it's going to be to find a provider to help you with this that in the future i'm hoping uh does not become a problem right yeah i did all these little sort of it's really important i guess uh like that folks do whatever they can to preserve these rights because generally like the state doesn't give back power that it that it's able to take from people and this could mean a lot of like this and I'm not like trying to conflate fucking having to have a vaccine to, to breathe on someone and and like, you know, like that is not really an attack on your body autonomy. Like you're attacking someone else's body autonomy if you want to give them an infectious disease. Right. Um, but when it takes away things like this, that, you know, like like that has other consequences, even if you're not a person who can get pregnant and you don't think you're ever going to be getting someone pregnant, like this should matter to you because your yeah. autonomy should matter to you. And it seems to matter to most of the people in the country. So, I mean, um, that's the part of this I don't understand. I mean, I guess it's all ideologically driven, um, but because it doesn't seem like a winning proposition if you're a politician to do something this unpopular. But 
I don't, I don't know much about politics, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, what is popular and what wins elections in the United States can be vastly disparate things, as, as we've seen, given the system which is deliberately organized to uh, to like befuddle the results of a popular vote. Um, hmm. I wonder like, if there's anything else you want to discuss around this issue of abortion and bodily autonomy. Obviously, it, it's going to be one that plays out massively in 2024. I want to I want to make it clear. I mean, this should be pretty evident my stance on it, but I do believe or, abortion is a essential and evidence-based healthcare. It's in that evidence-based part of it I think is important to to reiterate uh, because we do have data on it. We do have data that it is safe. We do have data that it's safer than some of the other options and um if it's removed as an option, we are not only uh taking away you know, a, a woman's right to autonomy over her own body, but we're putting them at more health risks uh, potentially for it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not an ER doctor, I'm not an OB-GYN, but I can guarantee that they're going to have to deal with a lot more problems because of this if that happens. They're going to be dealing with a lot more complications and um, difficulties because of it. Yeah. There's one thing I wanted to hit that I totally forgot about. Um I don't want to. I don't want to phrase this in terms of like uh, people wanting to end a pregnancy have any more or less right to do so than people needing to end a pregnancy because everyone should have the right to choose what happens to their body equally. Yeah. But I am. I believe I'm right in thinking that many of these drugs are uh, relied upon by people who have miscarried or have a pregnancy that isn't compatible with life. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the horror stories about women that are forced to carry. You know babies a term that are not compatible with life or, you know, uh, a severe uh, critical illness. It's those are horrifying. Yeah. And these are medications that can be done again at home um, for some for some patients. Uh, it can be done at home, which is, you know, not great. You know, it's still not going to be a, a maybe a fun process, but it, it'll be a much better process for them, much less traumatic, I would hope. You know, than mm -hmm. having to to have it done later on in in a hospital in, in a much more clinical cold setting. And we try to make these things as good as possible. Our nurses are are amazing, and our doctors who do this are are compassionate. And, but you know, if someone could do something safely at home, um, you know, and and it can be done safely, I don't see why not. Yeah, like in the dignity and, and privacy of your own setting, wherever you yeah. choose your home, or you know whatever with your family then yeah as opposed to being forced to carry a, a, a baby which isn't compatible with life like that's got to really fuck you up and it, it's i don't know i don't think people are thinking about what they're doing to other people when they make these these i don't know horrible decisions but uh yeah i hope, I hope they don't get to keep making them i guess <laughs> <laughs> we can all interpret that however we want <laughs> are there any uh are there any organizations that you'd suggest folks follow, get involved with? Like, um, are there groups that are helping to facilitate access to care, either where it's, where it's difficult or just trying to campaign to keep it legal? You know, I know there's been a lot of criticisms in the past towards this organization from all sides, but, you know, I've known a lot of people who work for Planned Parenthood and I, I still think they do good work, you know. Um, they're not perfect by any means, and they have valid criticisms from both, from really from from a couple different angles. But still, 
the people I know that are working there are are doing their best and are really want to to help. Um, and then there are uh, international organizations still that are involved in, in the abortion, uh, the, making the abortion pill accessible. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to get to that. I don't have one in particular that I, I would recommend, but um, the one that I, I have worked with, the people that I, I've met and seen and, and talked to and have learned so much from, a lot of those people are from Planned Parenthood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like you said, they have been criticized, but they've also stepped up to meet like what is a, a pretty terrible situation. I know they're building more clinics on the borders of states where you don't have the right to terminate your pregnancy so that people can travel and uh yeah it, it's pretty fucked up that that's what we're doing now like we yeah. we have the underground railroad for abortion kind of thing but uh yeah i mean it, it takes a big organization to deal with the organization that is the state or you know the state of texas or whatever so yeah. they've done really well is there anything uh like you'd like to plug or you'd like to tell people where they can find you uh, so I'm available uh, on Twitter at the House of Pod if uh, you do Twitter uh, and you can listen to our podcast, the House of Pod. It's pretty much everywhere you find your podcast and uh, guests uh, range from like world expert physicians to like Garrison Davis. So like, you know, and <laughs> yeah, I'm you're sure, contrasting those two things. <laughs> uh, they're an expert in their own way. And um, and I'm sure we'll get you on soon enough, uh, whether you like it or not. And um, so we get a lot of different uh, guests. The, the the range is pretty wide. And we talk about medical related health topics and try to do it in a relatively uh, informal way. Um, and, uh, so it's, I think it's relatively fun. It's been really educational for me. I'm really enjoying doing it and, uh, I get to meet cool people like you. So it's, it's a good show, uh, I think, but I'm uh, biased because it's my show. Yeah, I enjoy it. People should listen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, mate. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.